Take your Bibles out, turn to the book of James, James chapter number 3, James chapter number 3, and tonight will be a, uh, the second part of a two-part sermon series. We've been working our way through the book of James, and there's just too much content here to fit it into one sermon, uh, so we did half of it last week, uh, so you have to go back and listen to that if you haven't already, and then we'll be finishing up verses 1 through 12 tonight. Uh, so James chapter number 3, I'll just begin here reading in verse 1. I know we've dealt with some of these verses already, uh, but just for the sake of review and to provide the context of the passage, we'll begin reading here in verse 1. And James here says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all, if any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listed. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members. That it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father. And therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Did the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, Lord. And God, I thank you, Lord, for this time you've given us just to gather around your word once again. Father, and I pray, Lord, that as we gather around your word, I pray you just give us teachable hearts. Lord, help us, Father, to be responsive to your word tonight. God, help us, Lord, to be tender to your word tonight. God, help us to be teachable and humble, Lord. God, I pray you teach us through your word. God, I pray you'd help me, Lord. Lord, just to teach and to preach your word faithfully, God, help me to say what you'd have me to say. Lord, just give me clarity in my thoughts and in my words, Lord, and help me to say, uh, Lord, just what you'd have me to say, nothing more, nothing less. Father, I pray you'd speak to hearts today, Lord. God, I pray, Lord, that you would have, Lord, your will accomplished in this service. And God, help us to take seriously the truth that is before us, God. And see how that an authentic faith, Lord, affects, Lord, not just the way we live, but also the very words that we use. And Father God, I pray, Lord, that our words would be submitted to Christ. Lord, that our words would be honoring to you, Father. And I pray you would just teach us now. Through your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so tonight I want to continue on with our series. We've been working our way through the book of James. Uh, I've entitled this series Authentic Faith. Again, James makes it clear that, again, a true faith will be a faith that is seen outwardly in one's life. Uh, There are many ways that I like the book of James because it's a very practical book, and it shows us many practical ways in which real faith, authentic faith, is lived out in one's life. Uh, We see that authentic faith affects our works, but it also, as we've seen here in James chapter 3, we also see that faith affects our words as well. Again, God is concerned with our speech. 
And God wants believers in Jesus Christ to have speech that brings honor and glory to him. Now, since this is a two-part sermon, I just want to go back briefly and do a quick review, going over some of the things, some of the principles we've looked at. These are timeless, uh, again, uh, principles from the Word of God, uh, again, that apply to all of us here tonight. Principles that God is calling us to live out. And the first principle, we already looked at this one, but we saw uh, that the tongue is condemning. Verse number one, James reminds us, he says, be not many masters knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. That word masters there refers to teachers or preachers of God's word. James is reminding these believers, don't be hasty to be a teacher of God's word. All right, don't be hasty to be a preacher of God's word. If that is what God is calling you to do, then you, may, you must obey God, but don't be hasty to rush into that position. All right, because, uh, again, God makes it clear that those who teach the word of God, those who preach the word of God, will be held to a much higher level of accountability before God. The Bible says we shall receive the greater condemnation. All right, at the judgment seat of Christ, again, we would be judged much more severely, again, for how we handle the word of God. God takes his word seriously, and God takes seriously, again, those who uh, preach and teach his word and we must make sure we're being faithful to the word of God. Principle number two, uh, we saw the fact that the tongue is revealing. The tongue is revealing. Uh, just as in the natural realm, again, the tongue is really a window to the health of a person's body. Uh, so it is in the spiritual realm as well. Uh, when a person opens their mouth, when a person speaks, how a person uses their words is really a, a, a revealer of what is within, of what is inside somebody's heart. James reminds us here that if any man offend not in word, that is speech, that is in the use of the tongue, the same is a perfect man. Speaking of spiritual maturity. All right, so we find here that how we use a tongue, how we use our tongue, and how we use our speech is a barometer of one's spiritual health. Again, if I am growing in Christ, if I am spiritually mature in Christ as his, again, as his child, then one of the evidences of that will be seen in the way I use my words. Do I have my words under control? Are my words in submission to Christ and to his word? One of the evidences of spiritual maturity will be seen in the way that one uses his words. We saw principle number three is the fact that the tongue is controlling. And James gives us two pictures. The first picture was that of a bit that is put in a horse's mouth. Right, something that is small, about four to five inches long, uh, that is used to control an animal that is anywhere from 900 to 2,000 pounds. Again, a massive creature, a strong creature, and yet with a, again, with a bit in its mouth, uh, again, again a, a, someone who rides that horse can control the direction of that horse. Again, in the picture, again, the, the point of that is something small controls something so big. And then he used the picture of a helm or a rudder on a ship. All right, though it be small, it, it, it controls the direction of a great ship. Uh, and again, the, the, the picture is different, but the point is the same. Something small, though it is small, controls something that is so big. And James uses that to describe the tongue. He uses that to describe our speech. Though the tongue be a small member of the body, yet really how we use the tongue can control the entire course of a person's life. Again, for good or for bad. The tongue can be used for great good, or the tongue can be used for great evil. So let's continue on tonight with uh, some more principles that we find here in the text before us. And the next principle is principle number four, and that is the fact that the tongue, when it's not submitted to God, can be very destructive. The tongue, when it's not submitted to God, can be very destructive. Take a look at verse number five. The Bible says, even so the tongue is a little member 
and boasteth great things, behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. Notice how the tongue is described here. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. So we, we find here that these verses, again, speaking of the unbridled tongue, the uncontrolled tongue. Again, the tongue that is not submitted to Christ and to his word is likened to a fire. That's a fitting description for the tongue. Just as fire can be very destructive, even just a small spark of fire can create a, a great inferno. Again, think of the fires out in Hawaii right now. You know, again, how whatever caused that, again, I'm not exactly sure. But you see that the death toll is, is very high. It's actually the, uh, been designated as, uh, again, the, the deadliest U.S. wildfire in over a century. Uh, again, many buildings, over 2,000 last I checked, have been destroyed by this. Many lives lost, many buildings destroyed. Again, from what started as a small fire became a raging inferno. And what did it leave in its wake? It left destruction. It destroyed everything that got in its path. It moved very rapidly. And so it is with the tongue. So it is with our speech. Though it be a small member of the body, yet the tongue can be very, very destructive. The tongue can destroy lives. The tongue can destroy families. The tongue can destroy many different things. Notice verse 5 again. Uh, James here says, Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. A small fire, when it gets out of control, can result in a large and very destructive forest fire or wildfire. We see that in the natural realm. Again, the, the fires in Hawaii are just one example. I mean, many, uh, you could go back to 1870s, I think is when it was, the Great Chicago Fire, many uh, fires since then, between then and now. Again, many fires, I remember reading about one where it's literally just a, a, a spark uh, that happened when a, uh, again, whenever a wheel uh, hit the pavement uh, out in California or something, and it caused a huge wildfire. Uh, just one little spark caused a massive wildfire. And so we see that truth within the natural realm, but James applies that to the spiritual realm. And he says it is the same way. Just as one small spark can literally destroy thousands and thousands of acres, again, it can cause great damage. It can destroy homes. It can take lives. So it is with the tongue. The tongue is a fire. James says the tongue is a world of iniquity. When words are spoken in a careless manner, Again, in an unwise manner, they are destructive. Again, there's been many families that have been destroyed through unwise words, through an unbridled tongue. There have been many churches that have been destroyed through an unwise and unbridled tongue. There have been many communities that have been destroyed through an unbridled tongue. There have been many marriages that have been destroyed through an unbridled tongue. All right, so we see here the importance of bridling the tongue, of having a tongue that is submitted to Christ and submitted to the word of God. Take a look at verse number six with me. The Bible says, and so the tongue is a, uh, verse number six, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire of hell. So we see here the tongue is described as a fire. Number two, the tongue is described as a world of iniquity. All right, You have a world of iniquity in your mouth. Again, are you going to let that loose? I hope not. All right, But James here describes the unbridled tongue as a, again, as a world of iniquity, a little world of evil. 
that you carry around with you everywhere you go. That's in your mouth. All right. Called the tongue. James here speaks of the fact that this unbridled tongue, it defiles the whole body. Though it be small, it can destroy, uh, again, a person's life. It can wreck your life. It can destroy every part of you. Again, if you use your tongue in an unwise and ungodly way. James says here, it setteth on fire the course of nature. It is set on fire of hell. Now, that's interesting to, to consider. Uh, again, th- this point here, that when people use their tongues in an ungodly way, when people use their tongues in a way that is inconsistent with the principles of the word of God, to lie, to gossip, to slander, uh, again, to, uh, to destroy other people, to blaspheme, to be deceitful, they are literally using their tongues to do the work of Satan. They are literally, again, advancing the work of Satan through the use of their tongue, whether they realize it or not. It says here, again, the tongue is set on fire. It sets on fire the course of nature. It is set on fire of hell. All right, be careful how you use your tongue. Be careful that your tongue doesn't start satanically stoked fires and that it doesn't destroy lives around you. Uh, Let me give you one example of this. Turn to Proverbs 26. And there's many examples that could be given. I'm just going to give you one example here that I think is fitting for this of how the tongue can be destructive and how to stop it from being destructive. Proverbs 26, verse 20 through verse number 21. Proverbs 26, verse 20 through 21. I'll give you a little bit to get there. A very interesting verse here. Very important verse. Notice what is written here, verse 20 through 21. It says, where, there, where no wood is, the fire goeth out. All right, so we understand that, right? We see that in the natural realm. You don't got wood, you don't got fire. All right, it's, it's the wood that fuels the fire. It stokes the fire. It, it, it keeps it going. How do you keep a campfire going? You add more wood. Notice what it says here. Where no wood is there, the, the fire goeth out. So where there is no tellbearer, who's a tellbearer? A tellbearer is one who slanders. One who speaks lies, one who spreads evil. And so where there is no tellbearer, the strife ceaseth, it stops. As coals are to, are to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. So take away wood and the fire goes out. Remove the tellbearer and strife ceases. Remove the contentious person. Remove the one who spreads slander and who spreads lies, and guess what happens? The fire of strife, it dwindles. It's no longer there. Again, peace is restored. We know that Satan is the father of lies. When you participate in such evil communication, again, you are doing exactly what he wants you to do. So how are you going to use your tongue? And how are you going to use your speech? Are you going to submit it to God and say, God, again, take all, take all of me, including my speech, and including, again, the words that I say. God, I want them to be honoring to you. Or, on the other hand, tragically, what happens in many cases is the tongue becomes an instrument for Satan's work to proceed. To destroy lives, to destroy families, to destroy churches, to destroy the work of God in the world. Let's continue on, though. Principle number five, we see that the tongue... Speaking of the unbridled tongue, it is unrestrainable. It is unrestrainable. Take a look at verses 7 through 8. The Bible says, For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. 
But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. That's a strong statement. But we find here again, James uses a natural picture, a picture in the natural realm to illustrate a spiritual truth. He says, look at the animal kingdom. Again, look at how mankind has tamed and controlled, again, many wild beasts. Again, of all different kinds of sorts, mankind has been able to tame wild bees. He's been able to control wild beasts. We see that in the natural realm, but that is in contrast with what we see in the realm of speech. He says, we see that mankind has tamed wild animals. What about the tongue? All right, mankind has the power to control the animal kingdom. But we find here in verse number eight, James says the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly, meaning unrestrainable evil, full of deadly poison. So we see here that mankind has the power to tame a, to tame a wild beast, but he doesn't have the power to tame, to tame his tongue. He doesn't have the power within himself to control what he says, what comes out of his mouth, to control his speech. Again, we see here that no man, no man is able to tame his tongue, but thankfully... Uh, again, it's, it's not a hopeless situation because there is one who can tame man's tongue. Again, man can't tame his own tongue. He can try to set resolutions. He can take a vow of silence. He can do all sorts of things to try to tame the tongue. It's going to be futile. It's going to be empty. It's not going to work for very long. Right? Why? Because the tongue is full of deadly poison. But there is one who can tame the tongue, and we know who that is. That is God. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. He alone can tame the tongue of mankind. Again, when a person is saved by the grace of God, when a person is, is led by the Spirit of God, when a person has submitted his life to the principles and the truths of the Word of God, God can transform a person's speech. God can take a person who is a complainer and make him a praiser of God. God can take somebody who is a blasphemer and make him somebody who uses his words for the good of others and for the glory of God. God can take somebody who is a liar and, again, turn him into somebody who tells the truth. God can take somebody, again, who, who, slanders, other, who slanders others and, again, make them, turn them into somebody who edifies others with the use of their speech. God can take somebody whose tongue is out of control, again, full of all sorts of blasphemy and cursing and, and lying and deceit. And God can transform that tongue by his grace to be a tongue that is controlled by the Spirit of God. To be a tongue that is, that, that is bridled by the principles of the word of God. To be a tongue that speaks forth truth and that edifies and that builds up and that speaks forth, uh, again, the truth of God's word. You see, trying to reform yourself is not the answer because you can't do it. You can try to. You can set a New Year's resolution. You, know, you, can, you can try in your own power to, uh, to make a goal. You, know, you can, like I said, take a vow of silence. You know, go move out to the middle of nowhere. Um, but again, you're not going to be able to tame the tongue in your own strength and your own power. You're going to find that your, your tongue still slips up from here again here and there. That you still use words again that are not honoring to the Lord Jesus Christ. But who can tame the tongue? It is God and his word and his spirit that can tame the tongue of mankind. And we praise God. Let's continue on though. Principle number six. Principle number six, we see that the tongue is inconsistent. The tongue is inconsistent. Uh, consider with me back in James, verses 9 through 12. Verses 9 through 12. And consider what the Word of God says here. It says, Therewith, speaking of with the tongue, bless we God, even the Father. All right, that's a good thing, right? That's, that's the highest, that's the greatest thing you can do is bless the name of God. 
glorify God, praise him. With the tongue, we bless God, even the Father. And therewith, with the tongue, curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. Notice what's written here. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Again, these should not be found in the life of the Christian. These should not be found in the life of the follower of Jesus Christ. James says this is totally inconsistent with what God has called us to. This is totally inconsistent with our high calling that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we praise God, we glorify his name, we sing songs of praise of how we love Jesus, but then then we turn around and we curse our fellow men. We curse those who are made in the image of God after the similitude of God, as James says. We curse those who are made in the image of God. James emphatically says, brethren, these things ought not so to be. This ought not be happening. This doesn't please God. This doesn't honor God. This doesn't bring him glory when we use our tongues in such an inconsistent way. One Bible commentator, Matthew Henry, says this, and I quote, he says, How absurd is it that those who use their tongues in prayer and praise should ever use them in cursing, slandering, and the like? You can be careful. You know, it's easy to pay lip service to God and say, God, I, I love you, and God, I praise you, and God, I'm going to sing all these things, these, these wonderful things about you. But then we turn about and we curse our fellow men. You know, we slander and we curse and we lie and we, 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 we do all the like, as Matthew Henry says. But Christ calls us to a level of consistency. Christ calls us to live out a Christian life that is consistent. This takes time. Again, this isn't something that happens overnight. But this is, this is what we ought to be striving for. This is what we ought to be working for. This is, this is the ideal. This is Christ-likeness. I look at how he used his words and model your words after those. And we see here, Christ, Christ tells us, again, through the word, he tells us, be consistent with your speech. We shouldn't speak one way at church and then another way with our, with our family. We shouldn't, we shouldn't sing songs of praise and worship to God and then use crass and crude language at work. Again, allow our speech needs to be consistent. And James gives us here an illustration to show us the absurdity, again, of, of, of what it looks like when we use such inconsistent speech. Take a look at verse 11 and 12. James says here, Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh? All right, so these are rhetorical questions. All right, the, the clear answer is no. All right, you got a spring. Again, it's not going to send forth sweet water and bitter water at the same time, either sweet water or bitter water. All right, you have, for example... A fig tree. A fig tree bears what? It bears figs. It doesn't bear olive berries. What about a vine? Does it bear figs? No, it doesn't. It bears, um, again, we see a grapevine would, would bear grapes. And James says here, so can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. You don't see this in nature. Again, a, a, a natural spring that brings forth sweet water is not going to be mixed with sweet and bitter water. It's got to be one or the other. A grapevine produces grapes. A fig tree produces figs, and so on. And in a similar fashion, again, we need to make sure that, again, our speech is consistent with the principles of the Word of God. And that means whenever I come to church. That means whenever I go home. That means whenever I go to work. That means whenever I go from place to place in this world that I need to use speech that is honoring to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
that I need to abide by the principles of the word of God and the power of the spirit of God and live out these truths in our life. Again, it is wrong of us to bless the name of God when we come to church and then to turn around and to slander again another person or to destroy the life of another person with our words. Again, whether that's through communication, whether that's, uh, again, on the Internet, whether that's through texting, whatever that is. Again, James makes it clear emphatically, brethren, these things ought not so to be. And this is not consistent with your high calling in Christ. This is not consistent with what Christ has called you to. Consider this quote by one Bible teacher. He says, and I quote, he says, the power of speech is one of the greatest powers God has given us. With the tongue, man can praise God, pray, preach the word, and lead the lost to Christ. What a privilege. But with that same tongue, he can tell lies that could ruin a man's reputation or break a person's heart. The ability to speak words is the ability to influence others and accomplish tremendous tasks. Yet we take this ability for granted. And do you take seriously the power of the tongue? Do you take seriously what your words can do? Your words have tremendous influence, either for great good or for great evil, but it can't be both, all right? How are you using your words? So how do we apply this to our life in closing? A couple of things, just real quick. First of all, we need to recognize that a tongue problem is a heart problem. All right, somebody may have a problem with their speech, blasphemy, slandering, lying, cursing, the like, whatever it is. And somebody may have an issue with their speech, and what it, what it reveals is that their true problem is, is a much deeper problem. Uh, again, their true problem isn't, first and foremost, their, their, the way they use their tongue. Their real problem is with the heart. Change the heart, and you change the speech. Again, and God alone can change the heart. Matthew 15, 18. It says here, But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. All right, so where do the words of our mouth come from? They come from within. They reveal what is in our heart. They are like a mirror of what our heart is before God. All right, so again, if you want to test where your heart is before God, again, test your speech. What kind of words do you use? It reveals where your heart is with the Lord. Proverbs 4.23, the Bible says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Again, God diagnoses the problem, but he also gives us the cure. And that's, uh, that's the good news. Right, God not only shows us that we have a heart problem, but then through his word and through the power of the spirit of God, he can give us victory over uh, those heart issues that we're dealing with in order to again, have victory over our speech as well. So first of all, recognize the tongue problem is a heart problem. Number two, recognize, and I've already alluded to this briefly, but recognize that you can't tame the tongue in your own power. You can't do it. You can set vows. You can set resolutions. You can try in your strength. You can, again, take a vows. You can do all these different things. But, again, you, you can exercise greater self-discipline. But none of that is actually going to take care of the heart problem. You can try to change the speech, but no true change is going to happen unless the heart is changed. It's not until the heart of man is changed that the outward, the evidences of that, including the speech, are going to be are going to proceed from that changed heart. So what will tame the tongue? Well, first of all, again, salvation. First of all, that's the first step right there. Uh, again, if a person isn't saved, again, they're not going to be able to tame the tongue in their own strength and power. So it begins with salvation. Again, repenting and believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance and, again, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the starting place. Uh, again, the, the Spirit of God, uh, again, is not going to help you unless you're, unless you're already a believer. 
So the first thing is being saved. Number two, a person needs to be led by the Spirit of God. A person needs to be led by the Spirit of God. All right, making sure that as, again, as I am being led by the Spirit of God, the reality of that is going to be seen in the fact that I am responsive to the Word of God and that the fruit of the Spirit is being displayed in my life. Again, the third thing, a person needs to pray like the psalmist. Let's pray something like this, Psalm 143, 141.3. The psalmist said, Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Can you pray? Do you pray and ask God to help you? Do you pray and ask God to give you strength and victory over sin in your life? Do you pray and ask God to help you bridle the tongue? Maybe that's an issue you deal with, asking God to help you bridle the tongue. God has said, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. God, keep the door of my lips. When you learn to guard your speech, it's going to save you a whole lot of trouble. Again, it's going to result in a life that helps others and that ultimately, the most important thing is it honors God. Consider this verse, Proverbs 21, 23. Whoso keepeth his, to- his mouth and his tongue, keepeth his soul from troubles. Where does most of our trouble come from? This right here, the words we use. That's where the, the, the bulk of our trouble in life comes from. Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue, keepeth his soul from troubles. Learn to, learn to reign in your words. Learn to guard your words. Learn, again, to submit your words to Christ. Again, allow God to bring transformation within your life from the inside out. And again, you're going to keep your soul from a whole lot of troubles in this world. Fourthly, uh, we need to daily submit our speech to Christ, to the Lordship of Christ. Again, we can say Christ is Lord of my life. But again, if, if Christ is not Lord of my speech, we, we need to question the reality of that. You know, Christ is not only Lord of my life. He needs to be Lord of the words that I use. Is my speech submitted to Christ? Again, it is my desire to have speech that is honoring and glorifying to the Lord Jesus Christ. And a person who submits his words to Christ is not going to have any issue with, with hearing and, and applying the principles of God's word to his life. Now, you're not going to do it perfectly. Uh, but again, as you apply the word of God as a believer, you're going to progressively grow in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're going to progressively be conformed more and more to the image of of Jesus Christ. You're going to grow in holiness. You're going to grow in sanctification. All right, third big point as in, in closing, recognize that if you truly desire to honor Jesus with your life, you will learn to control your tongue. Whatever it takes. You're not not trying to do it by your own power, but doing it in God's power. You're going to take this seriously. You're going to say again, I want this in my life. God, I want to use my tongue for godly purposes. I want to follow and I want to abide by godly principles. God, I, I don't ever, I, again, I don't want to use my tongue in a way that is, that is sinful, in a way that mars the testimony of Jesus Christ. God, help me to remember that as a believer. Again, I am representing not just myself. I'm representing my Lord. I'm representing Jesus Christ. And God, I would not want my life in any way, including my words, to ever mar the name of Jesus Christ to those around me. Number four. Recognize that an uncontrolled tongue is evidence of a vain religion. James 1.26, if any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Again, like James, James is very clear. Again, a person can boast of their devotion to God, but check their tongue. I see how they use their speech. That is truly what reveals what is in a person's heart. All right.
said, then number five, remember that the choice is yours. The choice is ultimately yours. And you can use your tongue, or God can use your tongue as an instrument for, from heaven. As an instrument to do, the, to, to do the work of God, to do the will of God, to do the glory of God, to speak words that are true, that are gracious, that are edifying, that are kind, that are purposeful, that are pure, and that ultimately bring glory to God and do good to others. That, the choice is yours. Again, God can use your tongue as an instrument for his glory. Or the alternative to that is you can use your tongue as a tool of Satan. You can use your tongue as a tool of Satan to cut down, to slander, to deceive, to gossip, to blaspheme, to curse. Again, and a whole number of other things to dishonor the name of Christ and ultimately, again, to destroy, to dishonor Christ and also to destroy the lives of others. Again, the choice is up to you. And how you will use your tongue. Like I said, you can't do it in your strength. And it begins with salvation. That's, that's, that's the first step in the process. Being led by the Spirit of God. Submitting yourself to the truth and the principles of the Word of God. It's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. But God gives power to overcome the issues of the tongue. Psalm 39.1 And may we say with David in Psalm 39.1 I said I will take heed to my ways. That I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. Is that your prayer? Is that your desire? God, take my tongue again so that I don't sin with my tongue. God, help me to bridle my tongue, to bridle my mouth, to keep it in submission to you. God, I can't do it in my strength. And God, forgive me when I mess up and forgive me when I do wrong. And God, give me the strength and give me the grace to overcome and to be transformed. Uh, Lord, to have a speech that is transformed in a way that is honoring to you. Let me close tonight with a, uh, with a poem uh, that, I, that I think really emphasizes the point we've been making tonight. And the poem says this. It says, The boneless tongue, so small and weak, can crush and kill, declares the Greek. The tongue destroys a greater horde, the Turk asserts, than does the sword. The Persian proverb wisely saith, the lengthy tongue and early death are sometimes takes this form instead. Do not let your tongue cut off your head. The tongue can speak a word whose speed, say the Chinese, outstrips the steed. The Arab sage has said in part, the tongue's great storehouse is the heart. From, from Hebrew was the maxim sprung, thy feet should slip, but never the tongue. The sacred writer crowns the whole who keeps the tongue doth keep his soul. What about you tonight? And what about you tonight? Are you using your tongue? Are you using your speech to do good to others and to bring glory to God? Or have you been guilty of using your tongue in a way that destroys the lives of others and that ultimately dishonors the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? And the choice is yours. And the, 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 the grace to change is available. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, Lord. And God, I pray you take the truth of your word tonight, Lord. And uh, Lord, just uh, with last week's sermon as well, Lord, as we have looked at this passage here in James 3. And God, I pray you would use this in, in our hearts and in our lives to show us, God, the serious nature of how we use our speech. God, I pray, Lord, that we'd use our speech in a way that brings you glory and honor. God, I pray we'd use our speech in a way that, uh, Lord, that builds up others or that speaks the truth, that spreads the gospel. 
God, I pray that our tongue would, would, would not be used to destroy, to slander, to lie, to do things that, that ultimately dishonor the name of Christ. God, I pray you'd give us the grace to change, Lord. God, we understand that true change begins with salvation. And then as we grow in sanctification, Lord, God, we can get victory over this area of our life by your grace and power. God, we, we thank you for the truth tonight, Lord. Help us to have tender and teachable hearts to receive the truth before us. And I pray this in Jesus' name.